It's 2023, the pre-season friendlies have already kicked off and we're all looking forward to a new League of Ireland season. Especially those down in Kerry. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast ahead of a season that both serve up another big name behind the scenes. Everyone will be intrigued how Kerry FC will slot into their League of Ireland place. And a light is shone on underage League of Ireland clubs charging their players to play. Do we agree? Do we not? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, it's that time of the year. Do you get that little tingle of excitement now when January kicks in? Yeah, it's good to be back, mate, isn't it? Good to be back on here talking a bit of a, a bit of crap with yourself. Um, I don't know about you, Roy. I get this every year. What are we on now, Roy? Are we on season four of, four. of the, the the big kickoff League of Ireland show? We're past uh, the trilogy. Past the trilogy, yeah, yeah. We're in, into the dire straits now of uh, when interest has to wait. It, so, uh, it could get wicked like The Walking Dead now. We could be struggling. Very topical, Roy, with the last one coming out here. Uh, like you're obviously doing this, uh, the podcast and the radio game a lot longer than I am. So, like four seasons in, don't know about you, I was shitting myself today. I get it at the start of every season. You sitting there all jittery and all nervous, but like, mate, you've been doing this for about three years now. Calm down. That might you have put- something to do with uh, St. Pat's Athletic and, and who they're signing <gasps> and who they're not signing. Maybe there's a little bit of nerves there, Nathan. Fitting for it because um, I think a lot of clubs in the Premier Division would be frustrated maybe on, on um, the lack of activity in the market, especially like ourselves in Dundalk. I found really surprising. Um, now, I don't know if Dundalk went and they signed like four players this weekend, so they'd be a little bit more happier. But the same Pat's coming in, we've seen Tommy Lonren coming back from UCD, and he really impressed. He probably actually was a main factor where UCD are going to be in the Premier Division this year, but uh. I think the elephant in the room for St. Pat's is, uh, is the Barry Carter situation where, you know, when is he coming? And he and it's, you know, he's on his way and he's going to be here any day now. Uh, but unfortunately, Barry has gone and signed for Barnsley. So that was a real, real blow to, to a lot of St. Pat's fans. So, yeah, probably isn't helping the nerves at all, Roy. Talks of um, Jake Mulraney coming in, played with the likes of uh, Hearts and he was off in America with Orlando and Atlanta United. That could be exciting. But um, I think for Pat's and I think for a couple of clubs, it's probably more about who they held on to rather than who they're going to sign. Um, like I was looking through the list of, again, going back to Dundalk, and they still have a, quite a few players there, uh, likes of uh, Pat Hoban, Nathan Shepard, Andy Boyle, Ryan O'Kane, probably one of the most exciting young players in the league. Some of them lads are all on contract to 2024, so I think that, that that's the aim, isn't it? To say, and it's, it's great to see some of these guys uh, not only be here for this season, but beyond that too. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the story of a couple of Premier Division clubs you get into. Okay, well, let's start with Bowes because we started with them earlier on. When I say they served up a big name, well, it's it's as big as you can get to be a director of football, I suppose, within the league, isn't it? Huge, huge, yeah. Pat Fenland coming back to uh, to Daily Mount Park as like I said, in a director of a football role. Um, we talked about a director of a football role. Who who was it? Was it with Cork City, wasn't it? At the end of last year, they looked at bringing one in. That can be a role. It's it's very open to interpretation. So what he does is still remain to be seen. But he's you know 
he had a lot of big jobs up in Scotland. He had a similar role, uh, like the Celtic. He was down at Waterford as well, and a massive, highly regarded name, huge successful manager uh, in the league, but particularly with Bohemians. Um, I surprised to see him. Were you surprised to see him uh, rock back up to up to North Dublin? Bohemians normally do their business fairly decent in the background and for him to be brought in and for a club like Bowes to spend money on him coming back in and I've seen a few Bowes fans worried about you know maybe him sucking money out of the club and getting nothing for it it does I think they need to be very confident in what his role is going to be and and confident that he can succeed in the role that they want him to do because otherwise it could exactly what what the fans are thinking it could be a bit of money just being sucked out of the club In fairness though we're sticking on to Bowers even some of the signings that they came in what do you think they're shaping up as? Like, I thought Dylan Connolly coming in from Morecambe was really good signing. Great to see Dylan back in the league. You know what he can do with Dundalk. Keith Buckley, someone that we've been, both been drilling over right, for the past couple of years. And Bowes have really, really missed him. So it's great to see him come back. Uh, Akatunde coming in from Derry as well. Probably some of the, the big marquee signings. Um, finished six last year. Do you, are you in better shape, do you think, this year to really make a push at a European run or... If I'm looking at Bowers, it's I don't know. I, I don't just trying to answer my own question, but um, I'll try to do it in a second. I think if I'm looking at all of the Dublin teams, obviously Barry UCD, UCD, yeah, there's going to be a lot of trouble this year. I think they could be the lowest down the pecking order, and I'd include Shelburne and that as well to really push for a European place if that was possible. I am a hundred percent. I think that I don't see that there's much of an improvement now, unless unless. Declan Devine gets them playing football uh, through the pre-season that we hadn't seen from him at the end of the season, which is quite possible. You know, everyone loves a pre-season to get your, your thoughts across to the players. So I just, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. That I, I, I didn't see it at Derry with Declan and I'm not yeah. sure I seen it with him at Bowes. And I'm just, for Bowes fans, I just wouldn't be too optimistic. And as you said, with, with Shelbourne, I'd be a lot more optimistic of them pushing on a little further than they did last year. Yeah, they made some great signings, Roy, and they made some uh, signings really, really quickly on. Again, with Shelbourne, some of the lads that he kept on for last season, you know, um, Jack Moylan, uh, Sean Boyle, top goalscorer last season, Shane Farrell, a lot of talent going forward. Um, I know a lot of people are hesitant, myself included, when Damien Duff came on board, but last season for them was nothing but a success. Stayed in the Premier Division, mm-hmm. got to an FAI Cup final, and they're well, well in, in a good position to really push on. I don't think, I think they still might be lacking that little bit to be consistently pushing for a, a top three position, but they'd be doing their bouts easily. You know, if if we got a, a situation we got last year where the, the FAI Cup winner was in the top three and if they're hovering around fourth, fifth place, it, it wouldn't be out of relevant possibility. Yeah, absolutely. What do you make of Kerry City? Kerry City, Kerry FC. Kerry FC. Like, I don't know where Kerry City <laughs> came from. There's never been a city in Kerry. But what, what do you reckon? What do you make? And sure. I, 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 well. Treaty United went into the league and surprised everyone. Yeah. Can Kerry do the exact same? Honestly, we think we don't swap notes before we do this, Roy, don't we? No. no. That's again. That's one of my questions. Is down is surely they can't make a similar impact Treaty United when Treaty came into the league. Um. I seen I seen Kerry FC's business. I think it was on balls.ie. 
I think I'm going to be confident say balls that he, they, were, they were being the call there, uh, the Atletico Bilbao of the League of Ireland <laughs> in terms of bringing in, you know, that local feel to their initial team, which is something that was being outlawed from day one, wasn't it? From any early press conference, it was um, talking about getting local players in and building on the groundwork that, that the Kerry District League and the brilliant work that the Kerry District League has been doing. Um, I thought we would have seen a bit more of an American influence with the uh, the boss and owners in the club. Uh, surprised that we didn't see an influx of of young American talent coming in. I just I think when Treaty came into the league, and it's funny enough, Treaty had less time than Kerry FC did uh, to build the squad, but he did manage to bring in, even though a lot of the players in time were playing outside of the League of Ireland in the Munster Senior League, a lot of them had. Uh, not high level League of Ireland experience, but more than a year of League of Ireland experience under their belt, and I think that really paid uh, dividends for them. Where a lot of this Kerry FC side don't, it's, it's a very young side. A lot of them uh, now they're playing at a really high level in the Kerry District League, but not a lot of League of Ireland experience. Any of them that do have been playing with a League of Ireland club, it's been a lot of underage stuff. So I don't think they will make that much of an impact. I think we will just have to pack Kerry's... I'm doing it as well now. We will have to pack Kerry FC. We will get used to that bloody name for the time the stream is out. It's not even that hard, funny enough. Um, Like, looking at, at the bet coming into it, they're 66-1. They're obviously the, the favourites to finish bottom out of the, uh, the fourth division. I think it'd be interesting to see, like, they opened their, their game, uh, they opened their, their, their league campaign at home to Cove Ramblers on the, the 17th of February. That's an absolutely brilliant opportunity to, to start your League of Ireland career with three points. A very winnable game at home. You'd, you'd like to think to be a strong Kerry Crowd um, cheering them on. But what do you I, think, I, I, Nathan? I was just looking at the pictures because obviously they have their new stand. Well, not stand, the new seats in the, in the stand. Well, yeah. looks, looks well. The pitch, is, is, it, is that... Is that pitch going to be upgraded, or is, is that pitch? It, it, I like we haven't been down there, so there's no, no point in pretending that we know the ins and outs of of what it's like down there in Mount Talk. But from what I see in the pitch, it looks a very flat pitch. It doesn't look like a very up to date uh, Astro. Uh, what 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 have you seen? What have you thought? Yeah, any sort of photos I've seen, it, it gives me a bit of a flashback to uh, when Dundalk first got the Astro laid down, and it was just a. Uh, it made a lot of game. Really drew attention with a lot of games, and and it negatively affects a lot of games, which you, you wouldn't like to see happen. I do think Kerry FC did come into the conversation we were having um, myself and a lot of other other um, League of Ireland podcasts that would have been having. We're um, probably forcefully bringing in, it's probably the wrong word, but you know, like the northwest of Ireland is is known for its bad weather. Uh, rain. This could be during the summer as well, and Kerry would be in a similar ilk where quickly to get flooding down in Kerry and Cork so to see them have a national pitch I think is the best way to go about it but yeah any sort of basic photographs of seeing of it uh, you'd hate to see that be a negative sticking point of, of the style of play that, that they're going to be uh, to affect down in Kerry because it doesn't look great at all does it? No that's what I'm saying like it's, uh, it's uh, listen I'd rather if the league hadn't got uh, Astro pitches on it but I do understand that there's certain areas of the country that get flooded uh, a lot quicker and get a lot more rain um, west more so than the east but yeah. just to you look at Derry's one and you know that Derry's is uh, is, a, is, a, is a quality Brilliant. Astro yeah. where 
I just don't think that that looks great. I, I, I don't know. There's something that, that it looks like it's uh, like a first generation Astro or something like that. So I hope I'm wrong. Maybe maybe looking yeah. at pictures from distance, you, you're not getting it right. But uh, I hope that that's uh, not the case. And if it is the case, I hope they get a change fairly quickly because you don't want to see crappy uh, crappy games on a on crappy pitches. We have pitches. enough. We have, we, have, we have enough yeah. in the league where we don't need another one. Now. When we look at the, the, the League of Ireland, there are a, a lot of prices going up in the league. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of people from different fan groups discuss how their tickets are going up in price. What have you made of it? Um, it's obviously never never a good thing to see at all. I've seen it being implemented last year by a couple of clubs. Um, not to pick on club, but just like uh, Sean McGraw was coming to mind straight away. Even when you're buying online tickets, there was there was actually like fear starting to, to to creep into it. But now it's 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 going to become the norm across the board. For, again, for not every club, but we have seen Sean McGraw. I think Drotter are doing it as well. Am I right in saying that the Shelbourne uh, Taylor thing is another club that's doing it? Um, I know it's being compared to again we're not politic podcast, but we're going. Going through a cost living crisis, and and that's been, um, that's been put down as a reason for for a lot of the tickets going up. And you can sort of understand that as well. My fear would just be that if it keeps creeping up and up and up, and even if it is like twenty euro, it, it will come to a stage where you'll be outpricing fans. And in fairness to clubs, not a lot of them have raised their season ticket prices. And anyone that did, they've only done it by. Uh, a small enough amount, like we here we are, Sligo Rovers. So I know they increased their season ticket prices for the first time in a long time, and that was to uh, to combat the price of the showgrounds redevelopment. And again, you can understand that from a community based club, the money has to come from somewhere. But What's uh, the that would be price down there, Nathan. Uh, just a season ticket price or normal normal ticket? Just normal ticket, one off. Normal ticket, I think it's fifteen. What last year only was fifteen for an adult, ten for a concession. With OEP student things like that, and I think it was five or for kids. So what we're looking at now, and and it's it's not just those three clubs that we mentioned. There's quite no, a few no. clubs no. who are putting the prices up to seventeen, eighteen euro for a, a ticket, thirteen euro con- uh, concession price for OAPs or students or whatever. When I, I looked at Kerry's, funnily enough, they have a season ticket for two hundred and seventy-five quid. Listen, I. I I look at it and I go, right, well, what are you getting for this? But you are, you're getting a good night out. If you want to go to the cinema, you're going to be paying a, a hefty price between your, your your food and your ticket and all that sort of stuff. And this is a night out of entertainment. So I think at an under 20 euro and it's a steal. So I think maybe the prices were too low. And you know, I know if you're bringing your kid or whatever, that could be 40 quid. Yeah. But listen... You could easily turn around and not go to the match, go down to the pub and spend a hundred quid without even blinking. So I don't really go with the thing that prices are going up and, and you know, I, I think people will stick with them. They know where the money is going. It's going to, back into the clubs that they love and adore and they want to see better facilities and they want to see, you know, better match day entertainment or whatever it is. So uh, the only way they can do that is to to get this money in. They're talking about, you know, Shamrock Rovers getting in, you know, uh, your man Poom, the, Oste- uh, the Estonian player and Derry City giving long-term contracts and Galway giving long-term contracts or full-time football. Uh, the only way we can they can do that is by raising the money that is needed and, and fans have always been there to do that and I think fans are willing to do that as long as the money is spent wisely. So I really hope that people get behind it. I looked at, again, at Kerry's before we came on. 
they have a family ticket which is 400 quid two adults two kids for the year that's nothing that's nothing no. for four people to go to uh, every match uh, at home down in Kerry. So, well, like, uh, what, what, what would you spend on, on that four adults and two kids to go to go to Anfield, go to Old Trafford, go to, go to a Premier League game in London? It's four hundred quid for every league home game, and that's yeah. it. Just once, and you know, not four hundred quid can be a lot of money for people, but it's a once-off upfront payment. Some clubs do a direct debit; you can pay it, pay it off as the season goes on, but. You'd spend much more for like for a whole season worth of entertainment for league home games. You'd easily spend that going over to one Premier League match. Absolutely, and I think people should just get behind their team again this year. And as we said, with the likes of Kerry Galway putting you know their foot forward into professional, everyone's making a step towards something, and they need extra money to make sure that they can they can progress. There's no point in the league stalling anymore. We've got to step up, and 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 as long as this money is going in the right direction, um, that's totally fine by me. Who sort of caught the eye, Nathan, uh, so far with transfers? Uh, in January? I think I'd have to go to the fourth division. I think that's where a lot of the uh, a lot of the good business has been done, Roy. And I'm going to stick with my boys, my collective out of Dublin boys, uh, Wexford again. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ban this drum for another year, Roy. <laughs> Wexford are going to make the playoffs. Uh, they missed it by three points last year. I was a little bit off. But now the, the business that they've done down there, uh, getting new manager in, Jack Letty, um, another young coach. I think we're going past a stage in the league where we question the coach's inexperience. Most of the league, uh, we've seen it now too many times, I think, where young coaches come in with first time jobs and excel. We can only, we have to just look at the top end of the, um, the, the Premier Division. And I think that's evident to see. So I, I wouldn't really put that into question. Um, but, you know, look at Wexford bringing Conor Levinson from Bohemians. Yep. Never really worked out for Conor Bowes, but that's, that's an excellent level. He has a younger brother. I think he's a younger brother playing for Wexford at the moment, so he link up with him. Jordan uh, Adiemu, uh, Carl Chambers, Brandon McCann, a couple of other players coming in from Longford. Uh, Hugh Douglas coming in from uh, Bray Wanderers. Highly experienced centre-half, and you know the physical presence that he's going to bring. Uh, Ethan Boyle, another uh, it's a good addition to the, the, the Wexford back line. So, yeah, there's, there's a couple of other clubs. Um, I don't want to take every answer either, Roy. I'll leave them for you to pick up. Um, I think Waterford obviously have improved. But again, Waterford, it's a case of they pretty much re signed Bar Phoenix Patterson. They've re signed every top performer last year. And to keep a hold of them without getting promotion is a testament to what's going on at Waterford with the full time structure. And, uh, Andy Poyle is already attracting the big names uh, to the club, Roy, isn't he? We just we talked well, about Pat Fenlon uh, going well, to Bohemians. something that I was just about to bring up. And, and funny enough, I'm here with my uh, phone just in front of me to type in his name in because I wanted to get the, the absolutely correct name for the job that he's after. I don't know if it's director of football or not. Is it director of football? No, I, I, I think it's technical director. Uh, technical director, it is. Yeah, I have it there new, now. New, so it's a technical director. Technical director. Yeah, so jo- Jonathan Walters has, has taken the yeah. job of uh, technical director at Waterford United. And three or four days later, he was named technical director of Fleetwood Town <laughs> also. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, is he technical director of, you know, 
the company as in we've seen that they they own a few clubs now so yeah. how do you think this is going to work is this the best thing for anyone to do if they want to excel is to focus on one thing and one thing only Jonathan Walters can he focus on two clubs at the same time so I'm going to make a comparison and it's going to it's going to be miles off they're very different situations but we've seen a Bray Wanderers last year didn't we with, with, with Pat Devlin well, when he was the first team manager and the director of football. And it was a mess. It was a complete and utter mess uh, in the Carlisle ground. Nothing went right at all of them last year. Um, because of that, you, just, you, you, can't, you can't do those two roles and, it, and not have it interfere. And it just, it's, it just doesn't work out. We've seen a couple with Waterford even ahead of this season and the connection with Fleetwood mentioned Phoenix Patterson. Shock horror, Phoenix Patterson went to Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, Waterford are going on on a pre-season tour of Dubai, which at first I thought, geez, that's mentally, you never hear that in the League of Ireland. But um, again, the, the, the Waterford owner owns uh, Fleetwood United, a team based out of Dubai. So the, the connections are making sense. Um, but when I see the John Walters news, Roy, and when he was technical director of announced technical directors by Waterford and Fleetwood Town. I was waiting then on a a strategic partnership, an official strategic partnership announcement to be made. And you'd maybe see John oversee that in a similar way. Again, it's 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 a small comparison, but in the same way Ian Birmingham is overseeing a, a partnership between St. Pat and Cherry Orchard. I thought that's maybe something that, that John would have done. But no I, I think it's um I thought it was a strange one. I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely down the line you could see a conflict of interest if you're a technical director of two clubs. I, it's it's all going to be sunshine and roses for Waterford this season. I'd be, again, not going to make any, any official predictions right now, but they're going to be there and thereabouts, Andy. Yeah, uh, obviously, the no, the, te- yeah, the, team's, yeah. the team's a good team and you can only see them get promoted this year to tell yeah, you the truth I think so as well um, but I just wonder if a couple of years down the line we're starting to see you know more of an influx of top waterfall talent leaving especially now that they have a full time structure and they're going to be back in the Premier Division and who knows in, in, in a couple of years time back really challenging for European football and cup, cup competitions if you see an influx of waterfall talent going to Fleetwood when is it a stage where you see the Waterford supporters getting a bit disingenuous with that and wondering, you know, are we just being used as a feeder club for Fleetwood Town? It depends on what kind of fee or if any fee that goes Waterford's way from a transaction like that. Because if there's little or nothing going in, well, then they're just squeezing the life out of Waterford for the benefit of Fleetwood. Um is that what John Walters is there for? Is he there to look at talent, younger talent, see who's there, see if he can pass them across to Fleetwood and get them up to the leagues? Is, is that what it's all about? So, or, or is there a Waterford United interest that, listen, we, we want this club to be a club that will not only on the field flourish, but off the field, financially, the club grows um, as a business. Is that what they're looking to do. So it'd be, it'd be great to hear Andy Pilly discuss this, talk about it, and John Walters discuss his role because that's the really interesting one at the moment. Yeah, because like, there, there'll be no complaints about the Phoenix Patterson move, I don't think at all. Um, no. I think what was a six-figure six figure sum 
what was given to Waterford for the move. And it just made sense. He was he was not only the best Waterford player last season, but the best player in the fourth division by far last year. And the fourth division was, was really tightly contested last year. So it was no surprise when Waterford failed to get promotion that, that he was never it was gonna be really, really difficult to keep a hold of Phoenix. Um but yeah, and again, like I said, six six figures, they're gonna be happy with that. I just wonder down the line. When it just keeps happening, and all of a sudden, six figures turns into five, and five turns into four, and yeah. four turns into three, eight. Like that's that's me only little tip. I would say nothing against uh, Andy. Andy, he's been absolutely very transparent since going in as Waterford owner. Um, I, I, he seems again. We've been we beat this drum a few times now with Waterford. Seems to be have the best interest of water for their hands he seems to be the owner that's going to guide them back to the premier division but it's just a little little uh, feel for thought i think for down the line yeah. also okay now when we were talking off the air we were discussing a couple of things and we tried not talk too much about certain things because you, you you like to get the the proper feelings out there and, and and not have it totally rehearsed but you did mention longford town and and you weren't so sure about how they were going about with their business Talks about that. It's not even about the business, right? Um, brought in a couple of decent players. It lost. It lost a couple. Um, like uh, Luke Dennison, the, the number one goalkeeper, going to Bohemians. That'll be a tough one. But uh, again, brought in Jack Brady from Treaty to replace him. Jack's a very capable goalkeeper. Dean McAmenemy, I thought was one of the best players last year. He's gone. Um, gone back to Shamrock Rovers and Lowen, but now he's at the actually funny enough talking about Waterford, he's gone to Waterford now in a permanent. So it's not really about their business, uh, the business, the, the the comments and goings and things like that. It's there was a lot of positives and we can be quite negative at the League of Ireland when when um when we want to be as well. But we do like to champion the league in a lot of ways. And a lot of ways we've done that last year and, and pretty much since COVID is talking about the attendance. And attendances has been rising in pretty much every club bar Longford. And it's not only the attendances I've seen that they put out um, a request for interest for volunteers and people to help out on match days and things. And I believe by a couple of Longford supporters that um, that has been met really, really by very slow um, applicants. That hasn't been much in take up on that at all. I just wonder if we had the likes of Barry Masters in on, on the show, and I'm sure we'll have a Longford fan again, uh, someone connected to the club on, on the show this year, but. I just wonder what's going on at Longford. Um, like that again, looking at the betting before we came on, right, a 14 to 1. So that'll have them finishing up um, according to uh, according to the bookmakers, finishing a sixth position. So might just scrape um, a playoff place again. I think they'd be hard pushed with Treaty United as well. I just wonder what's going on just, just at Longford. Yeah, they have everything that seems to be a thriving club an absolute cracking stadium and an all-seater stadium which very hard to come by in the league um i know the location of, of the ground itself isn't ideal to longford towns a little bit outside but great club but it would always an extremely um passionate support is it a case that well the the crowds that they have there the supporters that they have there are are passionate and and behind the club that there just isn't a big enough interest in Longford for football. Yeah. That, okay. seemed, that so, seems to be it. Really. So they're struggling. Be... The only way they'll really survive and grow with the rest of the clubs is if someone's willing to invest into that club, more or less. Yeah, because it's... Um... 
even as talking talking to someone about the uh, again going back to the, the voluntary chain, it's it's the same faces for the past decade. And he said you're really you're just you're relying on on the the the, the kindness and the, and the time and the effort of the same couple of people for the past decade. So it seems to be just the same faithful few keeping the club running on a daily basis. Because as we know, it's some clubs do have you know a couple of paid employees, but it's the volunteers that are, that are the heartbeat of the clubs. They, they really keep yeah. the clubs going. So yeah, it was just, I don't know. Just, I don't know what goes on down there. I'm not sure what no, I, I do within the, And I don't know what they do in the community. I don't know how involved they are in the football teams around or how involved they are in the community. But if they're not, they need to start doing that. They need to start, you know, seeping their way into the to the bloodstream of the of the people down there and and getting that support, dra- dragging them into the into the club over a, a course of years. They don't just turn up. So, uh, yeah, I think I've always seen it, you know, even with football clubs and stuff like that, it's all about scratching each other's back, looking after each other, and supporters appreciate, you know, football clubs thinking about more than just the football club. And it's certainly not a town that, that's, uh, like, you know, it's it's not scraping to get a catchment area. It's not crying out like like Longford Town itself is, is a fine big area with a decent population that could be coming. Um, again, wouldn't be too versed on the day to days, but just going back again, Roy, when we had Barry on the show, he was quite critical of the uh, the, the community aspect of Longford Town, and sadly, it's just again by, by looking at a small bit of information that's been trickling now uh, coming up to this season. It's, it hasn't seemed to change at all, which again is a shame. You have you have a new manager and Stephen Henderson gone into the club, really highly regarded coach, someone that's that's really positive uh, mindset. Great to see him back in the league. And again, they've, they've done without being overly glamorous. They've done decent bit of business. Another one that James, just looking at the notes there, James doing it, a decent player coming in from Cork City off the off his league winning campaign. So. It's it's I wouldn't really be worried about them on the on the pitch. Just it's the off the pitch aspect which I thought was was really bizarre when they seeing the attendance figures. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wonder, year. you know, it's they're useless in GAA. So it's not as if they're taking yeah. loads of you know fans away and you know loads of players away and what have you. They, like they, they've never there's a chance there for that club to do something. So I think they need to step up to the plate now and they can't just sort of put a, a poster up down and outside the local shop or the local pub or, you know, down the main street on a pole somewhere and hope that people turn up. They've got to have a connection. There's got to be a connection there with that with that town. And from the sounds of it, as you said, Barry as well, there doesn't seem to be that connection. There just seems to be, why aren't they coming to us? And, you know, we're here. They should, maybe they just don't, League of Ireland football is not good enough. And, and they're not really putting the, the hard work in behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a shame. Um, because like that, it's like new manager in, there should be that feel good factor around the club. But I've definitely seen some some negativity online, and it's uh, again people crying out saying that the club should be doing more. Um, but you also have to be willing when, especially with in the fourth division clubs, when the, the budget might not be as as high end as Premier Division sides to, to roll up your sleeves yourself and give the club a dig out when they come a calling. And the thing is, we're not slating the club either, as in there's loads of people, I'd say, who are in that club who are working their arse off, who does this voluntary and, you know, these are all good people. So it's not having a go at them, but it is about the the thinking, the, the, the forward thinking of the club and how they can 
build on the platform of those volunteers and, and, and people who love the club there. So hopefully they can get that right because it's a, it, it's a, it's a, as you said, a stadium a, a, and a, a club that you want to see for many, many, many years in the League of Ireland. Okay, listen, Nathan, I think we're going to leave that there. We've had a good little intro back into the, the League of Ireland. Uh, we will be back, of course, every week. This is episode one of season four. Uh, amazing how we've uh, even come this far. Oh, and by the way, nearly forgot. We nearly left this one out, Nathan. Ian Mallon wrote a an article about why must schoolboys pay big to play elite football. Now, this article was really, really interesting. It's talking about parents who are playing for League of Ireland underage clubs having to pay an average of around 350 and as high as €400. Euro. And it says in total... It could cost one hundred and sixty to one hundred and ninety thousand for parents uh, as a group. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's um. I, you actually sent sent me on, Roy. This this one really went under my radar, but it's a, it's a cracking read though. But uh, by Ian Mallon, in fairness to him, and um, a couple of interesting points that he even made in the article. And as you said, like look, uh, the first couple of lines was more than four hundred uh, schoolboy footballers will pay. Uh, who said up to 400 or reach to play in the under 14 national league it's the, it's the league that you honed in on and as you mentioned between 160 and 190,000 that will obviously go towards registration free fees uh, insurance you know yourself insured more than anybody uh, Roy with Luke and United's the cost that, that, that it covers to run a club at any sort of age group in this country um, but the thing is and he did in the touch on it in, in the article was that if you don't go through the route of it just the way we're set up in this country if you don't go through the route of these national leagues you're completely cut off from going into the league of ireland going into professional football and most importantly for a lot of people that will be listening going into international national football so the amount of young talents that would be lost through the, the, the net of financial security is it's a scary thing to, to, to see isn't it and if even in the articles a nice point was made that if this structure was bought into south america the world would have never been given Diego Maradona and Pele because yeah. the, the financial backing just wasn't there for them. So, yeah, and even the breakdown of some of the clubs, Roy, right? like Shamrock Rovers, uh, the cost of €310, Euro. Uh, Cove it was the highest uh, the highest in the country with the €400 Euro mark. And a new club, which you might talk about for a second, um, I heard about them a couple of months ago, I thought the setup was quite strange, called uh, Club Kildare. Which is costing uh, three hundred and fifty, and the thing about Club Kildare is that um, I believe in Kildare the the, the the league itself, the KDUL, like the version of the the DDSL, runs uh, through winter. So when this club was getting set up and ready for the under fourteen national league, local clubs around the area are being uh, just raided of any any of the top young talent were being approached mm. to uh, Club Kildare. Uh, the issue seems to be there's a lack of communication between Club Kildare and the uh, KDUL and also that one of the chief uh, stakeholders of Club Kildare is, uh, in the region is the KDUL, the, the league itself, which it's very rare thing to see, isn't it? Like you, yeah. Again, yeah. I can't think of a club, Roy, that's being financially backed by the DDSL in Dublin. I know a bit closer to where I am at the minute with like Mayo and Sligo. Again, they run off they're separate entities. Any club like is never financially backed by the league itself, which yeah, uh 
strange, strange. goings on. It's very, very strange. very strange. But um, yeah, just paying this lot of money to pay out just for a, a it's like it's without sounding harsh on any of the young kids. A small amount of these kids, a fractional amount of these of these kids are even going to get the opportunity to play in league, not only professional in England but like League of Ireland. So yeah, I think that is the fear, isn't it? Where it's um. So just the, to just to jump in on you there, Nathan, just for a second, because to be fair to Shamrock Rovers. It's the under thirteens will pay three hundred and ten right. euro to play, but once once it goes to the under fourteen and other national league players, they don't charge. So it's yeah, which, it's kind which of is, it, should that, be. It's probably fair enough. I, is there I a case that, though? Is there a case though? If they weren't playing the League of Ireland and they were playing for their local side, whoever their local side is, Cherry Orchard, Stella Maris, Luke and Ballyulster, whoever it is. They would have to pay these fees anyhow, so it's not something that they wouldn't be used to already. And it goes to helping the club build. Now you just hope that for those players who have financial uh, restrictions, that they are helping those players out. Yeah, that's what's gonna uh, gonna jump on there, Roy. Again, you'd be probably more well versed in the the knowledge of of a cost of running the club. I just don't think the 100% of the burden should fall down to families. And we talked about this just there a couple of minutes ago when we were talking about the tickets. Uh, the whole burden shouldn't cost down. Like we talked about the League of Ireland ticket prices. Are we going to eventually be outpricing families? But this is even more of an issue because like a 20 euro match ticket is completely different than paying 300, 400 euro for only one child. That's without having other kids involved in football. So, I don't think the 100% of the burden should fall down with the families. I think that the, the clubs should, like, as you said, be able to chip in, but definitely the FEI should, should be able to step in and help in in some sort of way. I, I just do not think that it should have to come down to families 100%. And then you're losing talent, because not because of, you know, they're not good enough to make that step. You could have a, a lad that realistically could be the, the next next big thing or could really go in and make a name for himself in the League of Ireland in the international stage. But he's getting lost in the shuffle at under-14s because the, the, the family just can't afford to put him in to, to yeah. uh, under-14 under National League. And that, now, that's, what, that's the shame. That, that's say, that's Nathan, the biggest takeaway. That, that, I as I said, they're paying the fees. So what happens if they if we turned around and said, listen, uh, it's going to be €7 Euro a week for your child to play? Well, all of a sudden, €7 Euro yeah. a week adds up to that anyhow. So, I mean, I do think, I do think that, that this could be a temporary thing. The clubs are trying to build, they're trying to make sure there's a lot of costs behind running these teams so, and yeah. they're, they're putting their good coaches in, the best of coaches, the coaches don't do it for free. So there's a lot of of uh, money that's needed to run these leagues. Might be all right for Shamrock Rovers, might be all right for Derry City, but the other clubs, they're the ones that are really going to, to struggle. So I can see why they're doing it and... I can see uh, probably why the, the the need is there for them to do it. I can also see that uh, no one is kicking up a fuss that you know there's 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 players who have to pay. You, there's no clubs around there, local clubs that you're going to have free football. So that's just the way it is. So if if there's someone yeah, can't yeah. afford to pay anything, well they're lost already to football. You know, so I do think that. Uh, well, I can only speak for Luke United, but if anyone ever has any issues and they're struggling and they, you know, they have a good talk with the club and what have you, they'll always try and help the help the player out and the family out. You know, they won't have people not playing football. And I just hope that the League of Ireland teams are as open minded as that. 
Of course, and I'm not trying to sit here and be very far, uh, far left about it that, you know, football should be free. Because it shouldn't. Because the, the, the money doesn't grow on the pitches in Lucan United and other clubs. But I just, you would hate to see talent getting missing out through no fault around at all. And it's great to hear that you, like, you do that at Lucan United. Uh, so here's hoping other, other clubs do the same. Because you'd hate to see that um, a payment over talent environment creeping in 100%. Even though like, the money aspect is very important. It's just, just going back to the point, yeah, I'd hate to see young talent missing out. Yeah. Okay. Solely over that one reason. Well, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, Nathan, thanks very much. We'll keep an eye on this and we'll keep an eye on Club Kildare. These are all little interesting developments that are happening within the league. Um, and uh, for everyone out there, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the first episode again. Uh, we will be back on YouTube. We'll be back on uh, podcasts. Uh, keep an eye out for the bigkickoff.com. There'll be plenty of articles going up. Talk to you all next week. <laughs>